Good news for those who have a hard time squeezing workouts into the work week. A study in the Journal of the American Medical Association finds that adults who get their recommended 150 minutes or more of vigorous exercise per week on Saturday and Sunday get the same cardiovascular benefits as those who space out their workouts throughout the week. In other words, weekend warriors rejoice. This is Pulse Check. I'm Katherine Ellen Foley. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley is holding up the confirmation of Tanya Bradshaw for the number two position at the Department of Veteran Affairs. Grassley cited whistleblower complaints that noted that Bradshaw oversaw an electronic correspondence program that allowed unauthorized VA employees to view veterans' medical records. If Bradshaw gets held up in the Senate, the VA's beleaguered electronic health record system could take even longer to get up and running. It is currently paused indefinitely. As countries continue negotiations on a pandemic treaty, World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus warned that misinformation about the ongoing discussions would endanger future generations. The WHO has been jabbed by pharmaceutical industry over treaty provisions it says could slow development of medical products and far-right commentators who accuse the WHO of attempting a power grab to mandate vaccines and censor scientific debate. And former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich has become disillusioned with the National Institutes of Health after the pandemic. Aaron Shoemaker caught up with the NIH's longtime champion to hear why he, as well as a number of current House Republicans, are calling for budget cuts and major reforms to the leading federal health research agency. Aaron fills us in. Thanks so much for having me. So you got a chance to catch up with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. What has he been up to since his congressional days and what's he talking about now? So, yeah, he's still in the mix. He's a political consultant, Fox News contributor, hosts a podcast. But the reason that we talked to him for this story is because I was super interested in a proposed House budget cut to the National Institutes of Health. And when he was speaker back in the heyday of the 1990s, he was a really big proponent of NIH and increasing the agency's budget. So I thought he might be an interesting person to talk with at this moment in time we're in now, which things are a little different. Yeah, so I understand that his views have really changed substantially. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Sure. So if we take a look back in history, it's pretty interesting. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, which part of that time was when Gingrich was speaker, Congress passed really generous budgets for NIH. And that was when there was Republicans controlled Congress. So that's kind of interesting. We're talking double digit budget increases as much as 16% one year. And, you know, over the course of five years actually doubled the NIH's budget. So just a very big time for generous budgets there during that period. So it seems like Gingrich's views now are reflective of a lot of the sentiment on the House Republican side. Can you sort of talk about how Republicans' skepticism is shaking out in the potential funding of federal health agencies? Yeah, so it seems as though the pandemic has marked a change here. And if we sort of swing back to Gingrich for a second, once an NIH champion is now, he told me, pretty disillusioned with the agency and thinks it needs an overhaul. He said he's happy to put financial pressure on the agency to make something like that happen. He'd support such pressure. And that is not dissimilar to the way that a segment of Republicans on the right feel. Not necessarily all Republicans 
Republicans, but there is a segment that seems pretty disillusioned by the pandemic, feels like things were not handled correctly. There's some element of anger, especially at Anthony Fauci, like the name comes up over and over again. And so some experts I talked with think that this proposed funding cut could be a message bill to sort of signal that anger at NIH and at Fauci and show, you know, that they're disappointed with the agency's performance during the pandemic. On the other hand, you know, I talked to people who said they don't think the NIH is actually getting singled out and that the House is just trying to cut spending and they're cutting spending from everything. And so it's not just NIH, like other health agencies, other budgets across the board are really having these proposed cuts. What would happen if Congress doesn't allocate as much funding for NIH? A funding cut like the one that's proposed, experts say, would be a huge blow, not just for the agency, for international competitiveness, economic development, patients. And then even a flat funding isn't great. You know, it could challenge biomedical research. By and large, scientists especially want to see funding dollars go up. They don't want to lose access to some of those resources. But to make sure I understand, Republicans are proposing cuts around all kinds of federal health agencies, not NIH. And is it all because of the backlash after the pandemic? Or is there another reason why they want to make these budget cuts? You're right. They are proposing cuts to CDC. They're proposing cuts to other health programs. You know, it's hard to say. I don't know whether the pandemic necessarily is the only driving force here. I mean, they certainly do want to spend less money. And to do that, you have to make cuts some places. I can't help but think that the pandemic affects the perceptions of the CDC. Like, I don't think it's that dissimilar from NIH in this particular realm. But in general, yes, I mean, they're cutting lots and lots of money from the budget and it has to come from somewhere. But the curveball we have right now or potential stalemate is that we've got this divided Congress. So what do you think the chances are that a decreased budget for NIH would actually make it through both chambers? Yeah, and that's the important thing to keep in perspective. From what I've heard, zero chance, a decrease of this magnitude, zero chance that the bill will get past the Democrat-controlled Senate and President Biden, like no chance at all. It's much more likely that in the end, NIH's funding will either remain flat or that the agency will get a small bump. Got it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your reporting with us, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. And before you go, register to join Politico for an event today at 4 p.m. to discuss how gene therapies could transform healthcare and increase access to treatments, with speakers including Peter Marks of the FDA, Joni Rutter of the NIH, and Tim Hogan of Pfizer. You can register for this event at politico.com slash nextgenhealthcare. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.